Father, thank you for this day that you've granted to us, and thank you for this time we can come out to your house to worship you, to study your word, open our hearts as we study this topic. I pray that you give us a balanced understanding of this when there's so much misinformation floating around out there. And uh, just pray that you guide us now in our study together. In Christ's name, amen. Um, we're starting a new study of theology today for about ten weeks, give or take, take us up to Easter. Um, and then after that, we're going to start looking at the doctrine of, say, of uh, man and sin. So that will be coming up. But right now, the topic is the study of angels, Satan, and demons. And uh, in this course, we're going to be talking about um, the origins of Satan, angels, and demons. Um, we're going to look at angels, their character, destiny, activity, ministry. What do angels do? Um, one of the interesting things is you go out to the... Christian bookstores, you can see a lot of books on angels. Um, there's a lot of fascination with angels. Guardian angels, all kinds of stuff out there. Um, also with Satan and demons, you see a lot of information out there about his activity. Um, what we're going to do when we talk about spiritual warfare really is talk a lot about what Satan's activities are. And uh, I think one of the things you'll find that there's quite a bit of misinformation out there as to what Satan actually does. Everybody's blaming Satan for everything. And uh, although Satan is a bad guy, he's not, the, he's not behind everything that goes bad in this world. Because he has a lot of fallen human beings that work along with him. And uh, quite honestly, you don't need Satan to sin. And you don't need Satan to be tempted. You do very well on your own. Um, your flesh is a very um, evil thing. And it's a lot more wicked and evil than you want to make it out to be. And uh, Satan uses that. Of course, Satan is active in the world, but he's not behind everything. We're going to look at demons, which are the fallen angels, and uh, what they're up to and how they're operating. And um, we're going to look at, we're going to spend probably about two weeks, two to three weeks on this whole concept of spiritual warfare. Just what is it all about? Um, I, if you remember, a few years ago, Frank Peretti came out with some books, and uh it really took the evangelical church by storm. And uh, the whole idea of territorial demons and warfare and all of that stuff. And I think what most Christians fail to understand is Frank Peretti was writing fiction. He wasn't writing theology. It was fiction. Yet many Christians took it as theology. And uh, so they had all kinds of stuff that pop out of that. Uh, you know, there are even people who go around and um, they will exercise your house for you. They'll come in and pray all the demons out. Some of the Frank Peretti and, and, and the, the book Piercing the Darkness and This Present Darkness. And uh, then on the heels of that, some other stuff came out. Neil Anderson, um, I don't know if anybody heard Neil Anderson. Um, he writes a lot about this too. He's, he's uh, pretty much into this. But uh, they'll come out and they'll exercise your house. And um, I remember one family had um, the church elders come out and they walked around their property and prayed all the demons out of it and things like that. And uh, there's quite a lot of that kind of stuff going on where there's an inadvertent fear of demons and, and Satan. Not much. Not much. Um, what we need to understand is we need to, we need to get, here's the thing we need to do. We need to get our information about Satan, demons, and angels from the Bible, not from fiction. Um, the Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible hints that Satan's forces are organized, but this concept of territorial spirits um, is really not in the scripture, um, at least as popularized by Frank Peretti. 
Um, some of them will say, you know, there's, there's a demon in charge of Illyria. There's a demon in charge of your block. And uh, what you need to do is find the demon in charge of your block or your house or your area and gain authority over that demon. Um, there's a lot of that going on. Um, there's nothing of that in Scripture. The Scripture does indicate that Satan's forces are organized, but it does not tell us how they're organized, what they're up to, things like that. It doesn't say that. And so when we go beyond the Scripture, we create something that may or may not be true at all. And for the most part, it's sensationalized. And we're going to talk, and really, we're going to do a, a thorough study of this, because I'm going to have um, quotes from some of these guys that go around. There's a, a couple that will go around and they do spiritual warfare boot camps. And they'll come into your church and they're dressed like in military fatigues with the boots and everything on. And they are going to teach you how to go out and conquer demons um, and things like that. Um, other books, um, you can pick up... Uh, whoa. All right. Yikes. Speaking of demons and Satan, um, I think one just showed up and yanked the, yanked the table leg out from under her. Here, just when I was trying to say that demons aren't around and doing everything, here she, here she gets... Uh, and wait until this class to do it. Right, is it okay? All right, good. I'm going to leave that on the tape just for the sake of it, you know. I mean, but uh, some some Christians go around and they they will say that, for example, all diseases are the result of demons. So if you have flu, there's a demon that caused you to have the flu or the cold or whatever else it is that you might have. There's a demon of cancer. Um, I read an interesting blog article on the demon of Tobac, who's behind tobacco. Um, notice how the name sounds familiar there, but they wrote a whole big thing on Tobac, who's the demon of tobacco and, and nicotine addiction. And um, we've we got under, we to understand, uh, when, when you look at scripture, Satan can cause diseases, right? I mean, he can do that. Remember, is there any passage in Scripture where it talks about Satan causing a disease? Job. That's a, that's a big one. How about the woman bent double in, uh, in the New Testament? Satan can do that, but to say that Satan is behind every disease is not theologically correct. Because we live in a fallen world, right? We all get sick. Yeah, he can only do what God allows him to do. That's the other thing to understand. Satan is on a very long leash. All right? My favorite cartoon character is Foghorn Leghorn. All right? And uh, you wanna, if you want to think of Satan, think of him as the dog. And he's got a rope limit. And uh, anything within that rope limit, he's uh, free to do whatever he does. But God has a rope limit on Satan. Satan cannot do anything that he wants to do. Satan's got a limit. And the demons have limits. And how do you know that? How do you know Satan has limits? Right. Right. In Job, uh, it was very clear that Satan could not do anything he wanted to. God put a limit on him. Right. Right. 
So, so Satan and demons, you got to understand, they're under the authority of God. They can only do what God allows them to do. But you can ask right. for protection from Satan, can you not? Yeah, you can. In fact, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Deliver us from the evil one. Right. All right, the word there actually is evil one. Ha Panarin, which is evil one. It's not deliver us from evil in general, but delivers from the evil one in particular. Um, but the problem is, here's, here's the problem, and we're going to talk about this a lot more when we get to spiritual warfare. Our problem is we are not equipped to see and understand and know what Satan is up to because he's way smarter than we are. And uh, we don't have insight into what he is up to. We don't know what his plans are. We don't know what, whether there's a demon behind this or not. We just don't know that. And so when we go through life trying to figure out what he is up to, when we have no concept of what he is up to, and we have no way to gauge whether he is or isn't doing whatever we think it is he is or doing, is doing or not, we open ourselves to a lot of mystical kinds of things. We, we think Satan is doing this when he's not, or we just get all confused. Um, Paul recognized that Satan was an adversary. He recognized that Satan hindered him. But he never concentrated on what Satan was up to. Rather, he concentrated on God taking care of him. No, that's all right. Yes? No. You go through Christ. You go through Christ. You, yeah. Right. And that's one of the great dangers of the modern charismatic movement, the Word of Faith movement, that somehow makes us an authority over Satan. I, you understand? I have no authority over Satan. I have none. Um, I can't say in Jesus' name, go away. And I have some innate authority to bind Satan. And we're going to talk about what binding is um, and what it is not, actually. I have no innate authority over Satan. I have no innate authority over demons. Um, in fact, the disciples, did they have authority over Satan and demons? When? When did they have authority? When Christ gave them authority. But they did not innately have authority on their own. We don't have authority to just walk around and ordering demons here and ordering demons there and ordering Satan here. We don't do that any more than Michael did, right? Remember in the book of Jude where, and in the book of Second, um, Second Peter where it says even Michael did not argue with Satan but said the Lord rebuke thee? And what you have today is you have a lot of people going around ordering Satan here and ordering Satan there and, and all this kind of stuff and they have no authority. They have no innate authority to do that. Um, you go through Christ, you ask Christ to give you protection from the evil one. But as far as me personally ordering a demon around or ordering Satan around, you don't see that in Scripture. It's not there. And the only time you do see it is when Christ gave the disciples authority over the demons in their itinerant ministry. But the, it was a delegated authority. It wasn't their own authority. And just because you're a Christian doesn't give you authority over Satan. No, no, no. And that's one of the things we'll study and look at when we go through spiritual warfare. That's not even the level we're to be at. And because we're not at that level, that's when we do ask for uh, the Lord to intervene. Yeah, you, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking God to give you protection from Satan. There's nothing wrong with asking God to, um, to take care of you. 
but you don't know what Satan is up to. You don't know whether it's your flesh or the demon that's after you. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's popularized by what? Bill Cosby, the devil made me do it. All right? The devil doesn't make you do anything. Flip Wilson, I'm sorry. Not Bill Cosby. It's Flip Wilson. Uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not the devil that makes you do anything. Can the devil force you to sin? No, he can't. He can't make you sin. A demon can't make you sin. Um, is it possible for Satan to tempt you? Sure he can. But I bet no one in here has ever had Satan personally tempt them. He's busy doing other things. No, temptation is when Satan, the demon, or you, your own fallenness, um, is drawn to your own lust. That's what James 1 says. Temptation, Satan, Satan uses your flesh. You understand that, that the real battle here, and we're going to get into this when we talk about doctrine of man and sin. Your number one fight in your spiritual life is not Satan, it's not the world, it's you. It's your fallenness. And throughout the scripture, that is, that is again and again and again where Paul talks about we need to fight the battle. Romans 6 and 7 is given over to that whole topic of your fallen flesh. Now, how does Satan tempt you? Well, he goes through what? Your flesh. That's how he tempts you. He tempts you through your flesh. Right. How did Satan tempt Christ? He went through his flesh. Look, you're hungry. You've been here 40 days. You're hungry. Make some bread. That was the temptation. It was an appeal to the, you know, the humanity of Christ. Now, in our case, we have a fallen flesh. And the fallen flesh is what makes you do sin. Um, how does the world tempt you? Through what? Yeah. Through your senses, through your flesh, right? That's how the world tempts you. So your real battle, folks, is, has not, it, is Satan out there? Yes. Is he the prince of the power of the air? Yes. Is he busy um, engaging in evil activities? Yes. But his greatest ally in your own sinfulness is you, your fallenness. And again and again, the New Testament talks about us to put the, um, Colossians 3, put to death the deeds of the body, mortify. We don't use that word anymore, mortification. But that's a good term, mortify. Put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death what? Anger, maliciousness, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil speaking. We're to put that, we're to, put that to death. Because that's where Satan comes at us. And that's where the demons come at us, is through our flesh. And we're going to talk about that. We have a whole section on spiritual warfare that I think you'll find very interesting. And in doing this, I actually went out and I bought like five or six books from the top spiritual warfare gurus totally out there. And I read through all of their stuff and did a, um, a biblical critique of it. So, you know, I know what they're saying. I've got quotes from these guys um, that do this kind of stuff. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what real spiritual warfare is and what's going on out there. And then um, at the end here, Dan, Sam's is going to come in. He's going to do a two-part series on your spiritual armor, which is Ephesians 6. How do you um, defend yourself? Because um, when you look at spiritual warfare, we're not given offensive weapons. Our, 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 our offense is the best defense. We let God take care of the offense. We let God do that. Because we don't know what Satan is up to. Yeah, it, 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 Paul uses an analogy of a Roman soldier's armor. It talks about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is not the big broad sword, it's a little dagger. 
Um, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. And we're going to go through that um, and talk about that. Yeah. So if we're not supposed to, as humans, I'm, I'm assuming that means the whole race of us, are not supposed to work on fighting demons and stuff like that. I mean, the Catholic Church of exercising demons and stuff like that is a lot. To a large extent, yeah. So they really aren't and quite honestly now, now let's stop and think about this the Catholic Church that is an apostate form of Christianity do they have any authority over Satan? They're, they're worse shaped than we are right? I mean at least we have the truth of the word of God but no it, it's not now, now we're going to talk about in spiritual warfare we will, and demons actually we're going to talk about demon possession do you think it's possible for people to be possessed? yes they can I mean they were in the New Testament right? sure they can but how do you deal with demon possession? you don't deal with the demon possession by going after the demon you deal with it by going to the person and asking God to intervene because and, and, God is understand this only, the only person in the universe with authority over Satan and demons is God that's it. Not you. It's God. And if God does not intervene, nothing you do, no matter the amount of holy water you sprinkle, is going to make any difference. But you have to be careful to make this point that a demon and a spirit cannot cohabitate no. with believer. No. No. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about demon possession. Can a demon possess a believer? No, it can't. Can a demon possess or, or oppress? We'll call it oppression. Can that occur? Sure it can. How do you know the demons can oppress believers? Where in the Bible did that happen? Saul. Yeah. Remember an evil spirit went out from the Lord to oppress Saul and cause him depression? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. That's a debate, but possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, there there is precedent that say that de- demons can't oppress a believer, and usually that oppression is brought on by disobedience. All right, if you are disobedient, and, and we're going to talk about this. Um, for example, in First Timothy, I think it is, Paul says he's going to deliver two guys over to Satan, delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. What does that mean to be delivered to Satan? And we're going to talk about that. Possessing is more of the demon in control, actually speaking through you. Oppression is them um, depressing you. Yeah, making life miserable for you. Yeah. 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 You you don't know misery yet until. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's a. That, that could be that could be it could be resistance. Paul understood that Satan resisted him, right? Paul understood that. He's you know, he said, I was going to come to you, but Satan hindered me. Now you say, Well, how did Satan hinder me? Well, I don't know how in all detail Satan hindered Paul, but he recognized that there was an enemy out there that did not want him to make that trip to I forget what the what it was. I think it was Rome. I think it was Rome. So I wanted to come to you often, but Satan hindered me. Um, Satan is hindering us. And 
you know, the hard thing about teaching this is to, is to not go too far one way or the other. Not to go so far to the side that says Satan is not involved and it's all my flesh. And you don't want to go to the other side where Satan, Satan is behind everything. Honestly, many times we don't know what he is up to and what he is not. So therefore, who do we have to go to and ask for wisdom and strength to get through it? Go to God. He'll take care of it. And he'll give us, you know, understanding. And, but there's one thing you did say, did say that's interesting. The closer you get to God, and let me put it this way. Let's say the more, the more visible you are in, 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 the, in the kingdom warfare, the more you become a target. All right? So let's take an example. If Satan wanted to tempt somebody in, in this church to fall morally, who would he go after? Mindling. He would not go after Joe Blow in the third pew that shows up Sunday morning once every other week. He's going to go after the top dog is what he's going to do. And often that's what he what you see him after. He's not after a small... And that's why us, you know, we think Satan is out to get us to sin. We're small potatoes compared to some of the other things that he's up to. You got to... Another thing I heard that I thought was interesting, they said when you're living a life of sin, you're, you're caught into this sinful way of living. They say that demons and Satan aren't even around because... You no need to. All on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, I think the stronger and the clearer, like... And and we don't know that until we get I think when we get to heaven our eyes will be open, we'll see how God has protected us through our lives and how He's kept Satan at bay. Right now we don't know that. All we can do is ask God to give us protection and wisdom and guide us in our lives. And he'll take care of that. Isn't it true to say that um, the warfare, God, or Satan's warfare is against God, not us specifically? Right. He constantly tries to trip us up, sabotage us, anything he can do to smear God's name, mm-hmm. to make him Well, that's what Satan means, slanderer. Me? Satan means slanderer. He's a slanderer. And the other thing to understand is that Satan, Satan, Satan's major activity, we're going to talk about this, again, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we're setting the table so that you'll come back next week for another installment. Um, Satan's major activity is not in getting individual human beings to sin. Because we do that okay on our own. We, we don't need help in sinning. We really don't. We do very fine all by ourselves. Satan's major activity is not in the area of getting us to sin. It's in the area of false doctrine. That's what he's up to. That's what he's behind. Because he wants to destroy as many human souls as possible. So if he has to say, okay, do I create a new religion that will send a million people to hell? Or do I go get Joe over there to commit adultery? What's he going to be up to? Yeah, he's after the numbers. He's, that's what he's after. Now, that does not mean that Satan can't tempt us or demons can't tempt us but by and large Satan is not doing that Satan is operating in the realm of false doctrine false teaching where do you think all the cults come from? that's Satan yeah Sammy Uh, back to the analogy of uh, Joe Bull versus the pastor you know Um, I I started to think about that and I'm wondering if it's if it's that 
whether or not Satan is, is causing Joe Blow, or not causing, but Joe Blow is listening to Satan and he's messing up, uh, we would be less inclined to know about that. So whether he's, whether he's Satan is more after the leadership and less after the non-entity or not, it's that Satan is after the leadership for sure. Yeah. To whatever degree he may or may not be after everybody else. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't mean that he might not be after that guy in the third pew. But Satan is going to take his resources and apply them where he can get the most bang for the buck, so to speak. Right. And that's where he's going to go after. He's going to go after the leadership. So he's trying to teach us the more we learn, the more he's going to get us. Yeah. The more, the closer you get to God, the more. He will oppress you. Not, not, and when I say he, I mean demonic forces. Not Satan personally, but demonic forces are, gonna, are going to see you as a threat. And you just got to get ready for that. But you can't, you don't need to be, and this is the other thing, you don't need to worry about this. You don't need to stay up at night thinking about what are the demons up to. You, you don't need that because God is over them. God has them on a leash. And nothing is going to happen to you that God does not allow to happen. For your own good. And he's still in charge. Look at Job. He's still in charge. There's a question in the back or a comment. Oh, she's so, writing. Uh, you know, Job is a great Her. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just wondering if, you know, it seems to me, and I think I've heard this sometimes before, that Satan actually, I mean, he knows God and he knows the playbook, really. What, why would he do this? Out of spite. What? Out of spite. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't pretend to be able to psychoanalyze Satan. Um, um, does he know the Word of God? Sure, yeah, he knows it a lot better than any of us do, actually. Um, he knows somewhere in the back of his mind that he's a defeated foe, but he's going to do all he can to bring all the sorrow he can to God's heart while he can, out of spite, out of just sheer hatred. And that's, that's the only explanation I have for that. Yeah. 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 He was number one. Satan is the pinnacle of God's creation. Pride and arrogance. And I think somewhere in the back of his mind, maybe he thinks that somehow he'll just be able to pull something off, and maybe he can pull defeat or victory from the jaws of defeat, like the Browns do all the time. No, they pull defeat from the jaws of victory. That's it. That's the other way around. Rule the earth. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Um, but you got to go. You got to be careful and not say, "Well, Satan is the ruler of this world," in the sense that God has abdicated his rule of the world. Because God is not. That's the word faith guys that say, you know, Satan is the God and the ruler of this world and God can't do anything here unless we give him permission. That You don't want to go there. But Satan is fallen. He is um, he's in charge of the world system. What's the world system? The values, the morals, the principles, the, the things that, that you see on television. Who's behind that? Satan. You know, that's why the world is our enemy because our thoughts are not of this world. What do the world seek after, you know, money, pleasure, wealth, fame. That's not what we're after. That's not what we're to be after. So if you don't want to use the word rule, what would you say that Satan does? He's influenced. He's in charge of the world system. 
And by the world system, we mean the values, the morals, the principles, the, you know, the things we see. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's all behind that. Well, you probably didn't have it, but the original intent that God had at creation was for man to have dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. But in his disobedience and his sin, he advocated that and Satan. Yeah. So he does, he has dominion over the earth, but he's still on a short leash. Understand what dominion means. If by dominion you mean that Satan is the God of this world in the sense that God is not the God of this world, no. So that's the Yeah. He, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has a very long leash at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta understand that God is absolutely sovereign in the universe and that anything that Satan does, any influence he may have, is all by permission of God. It's all within God's permitted boundaries. Just like Job. Satan could go so far and no farther, all right? And God has allowed Satan a certain level of freedom, all right? And that's to further God's eternal plan and purposes that we talked about back in theology um, proper when we talked about the doctrine of God. Why does God allow evil for his own glory? But God is in charge of the universe, not Satan, all right? Now, temporarily, does Satan... Uh, is he the prince of the power of the air, as it calls, is it talked about? Is he the god of this world in the sense that he is the head of the world system? And that's what you mean by world. The world system, the thoughts, the, the principles, the morals, the values. Satan is behind that. That is what Satan is behind. Sam, you're going to say... Um, yeah. Uh, Satan appears to probably all of us prior to having it maybe clarified right this moment, he appears to be the ruler because of the pervasiveness of his philosophies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when somebody brave enough, unintimidated enough, committed enough comes along, there's always a strong impact that brings hundreds Thousands. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of whether we're talking of Billy Graham, whether we're talking uh, Passion of the Christ movie, whether we're talking Fireproof the movie, whether we're talking Billy Sunday, you know, whether we're talking five missionaries who got shot, whether we're, you know, some brave, bold, unintimidated, against all odds, yes, I'll go to prison for you, Lord, yes, I'll just whipped for you, yes I'll get blasphemed and spat on for you somebody like that, uh, Jesus Christ best example, comes along that whole field that Satan's got the domination shows that really God does but due to man's sin Satan has what otherwise feels like the rulership yeah it feels like it. he's the head of the world system. I mean, look at, you know, look at the passion of the Christ when that came out. Everybody was all upset about it. Why? Because they didn't like, they were convicted. Yeah, they, 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 the whole point is the world system. What is the world system? And that's what you've got to mean by world. Does world mean this ball of dirt and rock and ice and water and all? No, it's the world system that Satan is ahead of. He is in charge of that. And that is the fallen principles. That is evil, wicked. And when you as a Christian stand up, you're going to buck that. 
And Christ said that, right? He says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. What are you surprised about? Um, a lot of times I think Christians, they get shocked that somebody wouldn't like them because they're a Christian. Well, what do you expect? Christ said that in, in John 15. If they've hated me, they're going to hate you. If they kill me, they're not going to do any better for you. It's the world that is Satan is behind. And, and he, he uses that world and he comes at us through our flesh and, and he's, you know, he brings opposition. But we need to have a balanced approach and understand that even though Satan is behind the world system, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the what? World. We have the Holy Spirit, and we, we have, we're on the winning side. And we don't need to be intimidated by what Satan is up to and be afraid and live in constant fear about what he may or may not be up to. Because we, we don't need to do that. God has him on a leash. Is that inclusive of dreams? Yeah. Spiritual? That he is not effective there Dreams? Yes, while you sleep. See, that, 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 that gets into mysticism. I mean, you know, and, and by the way, there are some Christians that have written books on how to interpret your dreams and all that. Look, folks, don't go there. <laughs> um, so it's not a If it's not in the Scripture and it's not outlined here, how do you know it's true or not? You don't. You don't. Okay, so you're saying you don't know. You don't know. So don't worry about it and let God worry about it. Just commit your way to the Lord and let Him deal with it. Because see, God knows what Satan is up to, right? Yes. You don't. So let God worry about that. You be obedient to God. You put on your spiritual armor. You resist steadfast in the faith. And, that faith, and like it says in Peter, he's a roaring lion walking about seeking who may devour. What are you to do? Stand firm. And let God worry about what he is up to and what his moves are. We don't need to get worked up over that. Because we wouldn't know it if, if we don't have the ability to understand that, what he's up to. And you understand, Satan is so much more powerful than any one of us in here. He could squash us like a bug if it wasn't for God. Giving him the no. No, you cannot. No, you cannot go there. And we got So we're going to talk about that. We'll, we'll get into all of that. So don't worry about it. We'll, we'll spend our whole course just talking about the introduction here. Or the whole day now. Um, when we look, this slide is not on here. I added it this morning. But just for theological definition so you understand... When we talk about Satan or angelology here, it's really three doctrinal areas that we're going to be talking about. Um, something called angelology, which is that the study of angels, their character, their origin. And usually this is referring to the holy angels, or the Bible calls them the elect angels. All right, these are the angels that did not fall. Uh, Michael Gabriel would be one of these angels. And then we talk about another theological area called demonology. In some theology books, they split these all up. Others treat them as one. We're going to treat them all as one because it's dealing about angelic beings. Um, but demonology is the study of the fallen angels, what they're up to, all right, and what they are doing, and their destiny. By the way, what is the destiny, the eternal destiny of the fallen angels? Lake of fire. Lake of fire. In fact, why did God create the lake of fire? For them, all right? Um, and Satanology is the focus in on the number one fallen angel, which is Satan, the leader of the fallen angels, the leader of the rebellion, so to speak. Um, and we're going to talk about all of these together as we go through this, this particular class. Let's look at the uh, existence of angels. When you read the Bible, angels are all over it. I mean, um, of the 66 books, 34 books mention angels in one form or another. Um, 
They're mentioned 273 times in the Old Testament, 160 times in the New Testament. Um, angels are mentioned. Um, let's have someone look up Hebrews 12:22. Let's have somebody look these verses up just so you get them. Who, somebody look up Psalm 68:17. Um, do that. She'll do that one. Somebody else Hebrews 12:22. Okay. How about Psalm 104:4? Okay, you got that one, and Psalm 148 too. Okay, so as soon as you get it, go ahead and read it. All right, so it's talking about myriads of angels, and the word myriad, myriad there, myrias, is uh, the largest number in the Greek language that they had, which is about ten thousand in, the, in their. Thing. It talks about 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. The idea there is that they're an innumerable company. Now, of course, God knows the number. They're not an infinite number. But there's a lot of them that God created. All right? And it says there that there's an innumerable company of angels in heaven. Psalm yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, throughout uh, the book of Isaiah, says God is called the Lord of Hosts. That's his term, that's his favorite name in Isaiah. What is host? Host is the heavenly armies. Who are, who takes? Who's in the heavenly armies? Saint angels, thousands of them. And there again, you've got thousands and hundreds and thousands of millions. Psalm one hundred four four. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Yeah. And uh, in the King James, it's who makes his angels, spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. What do angels do? They're ministering spirits. Um, they are um, emissaries from God. In fact, angel, angelos, means messenger. All right? They are messengers. How about Psalm 148.2? Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Yeah. So you've got angels there. I mean... God created an innumerable company of these angels. All right. Um, now, again, he knows what the number is, but as far as the scripture goes, it's almost incalculable. Where did they come from? Where did angels come from? Well, originally they were created by God. All right. I mean, they are created beings. And this is something very, very, very important to understand. Satan is a created being. Satan is a created being. Now, if Satan is a created being, what comes along with that? There is a creator, right? If Satan is a created being, he is part of the creation. He is not part of the non-creation. Again, remember when we went back and went through theology proper, if you subtract the universe, what do you have? God. God is the only being outside of the boundaries of space and time in the universe. Satan is a member. He is a created being. So he is part of what is in, we call the box. He's in the box. So can anything inside the box affect that which is outside the box? No, you can't. Christ came into the box. So he was outside the box. Because he's God. Alright, but Satan is not. Satan is a created being. Because Satan is a created being, there's some other things that go along with that, right? Satan is not omniscient. Right? Because he doesn't know everything because he was a created being, so therefore he doesn't know what was occurred before he was created. He is finite. But he does know if something that happened in South America and something that happened in England. Because he has a lot of 
angels helping him, a lot of fallen demons helping him. He is extremely smart and intelligent, but he's not omniscient. There's a difference. Um, he is not omnipowerful. Why is that? He is a created being. By definition, you can have only one omnipotent being. He's not sovereign, is he? Because by definition, you can only have one sovereign being. If you have two sovereign beings, nobody is sovereign. <laughs> so he is a he has an army, but he is not sovereign. He has to have an army because he's not uh, omnipresent. He's not omnipresent. Like God. God is everywhere. Satan is not. He's a localized being. He can only be in one spot at one time. And it's his lack of omniscience that answers the earlier questions someone asked about why does he do this when he knows what his ultimate fate is going to be. Well, because he knows scripture, he knows what it's said that his ultimate fate is going to be. But like you responded to that question, well, he's He's trying to maybe see if he can, you know, pull out a win after all. Yep. Because he is not omniscient. He hasn't been able to literally see the future. He's just heard about, read about this mm -hmm. moment. But, yeah. And he can influence certain events. By the way, that's, that's an aside. You know, some people say, well, what about all these fortune tellers? Okay, well, let's understand. Where do the fortune tellers get their information from? God or Satan? That's a no-brainer, right? Satan. You say, well, how can Satan predict the future then? Well, does he? He can influence it. He can't predict it. And and Satan can't influence that, but Satan can't force that. That's why Gene Dixon was only right part of the time. All right. And that is why, for example, in the Bible, where it, it talks about the death penalty. In the Old Testament, death penalty was given to anyone who went after mediums and spirits. Why is that? Why do you think that's true? Why, why, did, why did God require the death penalty for that? It's idolatry, but what else are you not going to get from Satan? You're not going to get the truth, ever. You're not going to get the whole truth. Satan is incapable of telling the truth. Think about that. God is incapable of telling a lie... Satan is incapable of telling the truth, the whole truth. His pride. But he cannot tell the truth. He's the father of lies. Remember, that's what Christ said. You're, the, you're your father of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he's not only that, he's the father of lies. Of course. Not equal to pride, but he is a liar. He will not tell you the truth. Did he tell, did, did he tell Eve the truth? He only told her part of the truth, right? Okay. Does that imply then that he knows the truth? He has to pervert it? Um, I don't, again, I can't psychoanalyze Satan to, to know that. Um, I think Satan knows the Word of God. He knows that. Okay. But Satan is a deceiver. That's the whole point of it. He is a deceiver. It's his nature to deceive and to lead you astray and to make you think one thing when really something else is true. And he might tell you part truths or half truths, but he will never tell you the whole truth. And that is why God prohibited us from going after Satan, because he will never tell you the truth. If you want to know the truth, God has given you his truth. It's here. Okay? You're not going to get it from Satan. Right. 
So we should have stoned Gene Dixon a long time ago, but we didn't. But that's just, yeah. So that the the drug never shows us the future. No. I mean, I, I, you know, this is just, you know, the science I'm kind of actually, um, you know, people say that they dream of something that happened before it happened, kind of thing. No, it got, got, does God show us the future? Yes. Yeah, he has. He has showed us here. Did he give us all the details of it? No. We don't have all the details of the future, but we know generally what's going to happen. So if somebody is saying that, you know, oh, I dreamed of something that happened before it happened, then... That could be pizza and beer. It could be anchovies on the pizza. It could be indigestion. Could, I, I don't put any stock in that. Yeah, but that is very subjective. Mary and Joseph had a dream. That, that's different. That's revelation. That's different. There are censuses of revelation, yes. But for but the danger is for somebody today to come along and say, God gave me a dream. You don't know if that is true or not because God is not in the process of revealing new truth. And so you got to be very careful of that. Oh, yeah. You know. You've got to be very careful. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there's dynamics of this world that we live in that we don't know. Right. And, and the thing, I think the thing as Christians, we, God, look, look, folks, God has given us a tremendous amount of information here. And the problem is we don't go here first. We go to dreams and visions and Lord knows what else. Here's where you need to go first. All right. Now, in rare circumstances, can God give you a premonition about something that's going to happen? Sure, he can do that. He's omnipotent. He can do what he wants. But to live your entire life by going by your dreams is a bad move. Because your mind, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and you can be led astray so easily. Um, and, and see, that's, that's the great... Something, you know, there's a lot of theology in like Star Trek and Star Wars, you know. Look at, look at poor old Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker. He thought he was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. He thought he was doing the right thing all along only to find out he was doing the wrong thing. That's how Satan operates. He'll get you to think you're doing the right thing when all along, all along it's the wrong thing. That's why we need to be in the Word, people of the Word, being led by the Spirit and asking God to protect us from this because we just don't have the wherewithal to know what is and isn't the voice of God if, if it's out there. We've got to be careful. We've got to go to the Word. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. So that's not the last word on this thing. But angels were created by God. When were they created? That's a big question. Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us when. Um, but I would say that they're not, it's sometime after Genesis 1-1 and before Genesis, the end of the creation week. And in fact, in Job, um, uh, I have it in the next uh, slide here in Job, it talks about the sons of God sang together when God created the heavens and the earth. So evidently they were there at the beginning of creation. They were not there before creation because in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and if the angels are part of the heavens, they can't be there unless the heavens are there. Um, but the Bible doesn't give us specifically when they were created, but they were all created. And here's a question. What was the state of all of the angels on the seventh day of creation when God rested? Perfect. So was Satan fallen then? Evidently not, because it says God looked upon all that he created and all of it was good. All right? 
So there was no yet there was not yet the stain of sin in the universe at that time. <coughs> yes. Well, that's a good question that theologians have argued about over many, many, many years. And the only answer to that is you just need to understand that when God created the angels, as he did with humans, there was a component of will that they could exercise. How do we know that there has the, the fallen angel has occurred? Has what? The, the fallen angel has occurred. How do we know that? Scripture. Okay, so if on the seventh day all is good. Mm-hmm. And then later in Scripture it says that uh, that, uh, that Satan has fallen. Mm-hmm. Then it has occurred since the creation of. The yeah, it occurred sometime after the seventh day of creation and before the temptation. The Bible doesn't tell us one. It doesn't fill it in. We know it happened. It doesn't give us a chronology of that. Yeah, 28. Yeah, it says Satan fell, and when he fell, he drew a third of the stars. But if you look at the, the seventh day of creation, it says that God looked upon all that he had created, and it was all very good. All right? So evidently, at that time, on the sixth day or the seventh day, well, actually seventh day of creation, sin had not yet entered the universe. But sometime after the seventh day of creation, Satan fell. We don't know when. And, you know, how long was Satan... Um, yeah, how long was Satan... How long was Adam and Eve in the garden before they fell? Well, that's just it. We're not told. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. It could have been a couple of years. We don't know. It doesn't give us that. And that's one of the things we've got to be careful about here. Let's go with what God has given us and let Him take care of all the little details because we try to fill in all the little details and all the little things and try to speculate, well, when did this... We don't know in general. We, we just know, in particular, we know in general when it happened. We don't know particularly the date or the hour, how long it was before Satan fell. We don't know that. Just like we don't know what the, the true age of Earth is. Well, we, we have a good idea what the true age of Earth is. It's not billions of years old. It's thousands. I'm a literal six-day creationist. We're going to talk about that coming up in one of the next courses. But angels, understand, angels were initially created by God... They're created in their complete number. Alright. Um, they were created as perfect beings. How do you know that? Well, God doesn't create evil. Now you're going to have all kinds of problems. You say God created Satan to be Satan. Or God made Satan fall. God did not make Satan fall. And listen, the best, the best thing I can tell you to do on that is just take it for what it is and not try to sort it out. Because you will go nuts. You'll be like somebody going into a round room and told to sit in a corner. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to sit down. You're, you just can't figure that out. Did God create evil? No. Did God allow evil? Yes. But He did not create it. He did not force Satan to do what Satan did any more than He forced Eve and Adam to eat the apple. Or not, not the apple, but the fruit. He didn't force them. He allowed it. Technically, He didn't create Satan as He created Lucifer as a perfect life. He created him as the perfect being. And we're going to talk about Lucifer's creation. He was number one. He was the worship leader of heaven. He was the number one angel in heaven. Ezekiel said he was the anointed cherub that covers. He was perfect in all of his ways until iniquity was found in him. He was the perfect number one. And that's why if Satan showed up today, he would not show up as a, you know, in a red suit with a pitchfork and a forked tail and horns. He would show up as one of the most beautiful, gorgeous, dazzling beings you could ever imagine. 
No, he wouldn't show up as George Clooney. You know. Or Tom Cruise, I'm sorry. Or any of that. He would, be, he would be the most dazzling, brilliant being because he was created that way. That was his creation. He was created as the pinnacle of God's angelic order. Could you follow the argument that God did not create evil because he had the Right. But when God created angels and God created man, he created them with a will to choose. And God knew what would happen. That's the other thing to understand. Satan's fall did not take God by surprise. God knew it would happen, but God did not force it to happen. And you just got to go with that because you're not going to sort it out. I'm telling you, you're not going to sort it out. Because if you go too far down one way, you've got God creating evil. Well, we know that he can't do that. If you go down too far down the other side, then God is not in control of creation. And it's all a big roll of the dice whether it's going to happen or not. That's the open theist, boys. You don't want to go there. You've got to allow there to be a, a seeming apparent paradox there. you just got to go with it and just accept it for what it is. And, and we, we get that from the Word of God. The Word of God says God cannot... Be tempted with evil. He is not the creator of evil. He does not cause evil. Nevertheless, God allowed it. And that's the best you can do. God allowed it. Satan had a will. He had a, 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 all, the, all the angelic beings had a choice. And when Satan fell, a third of them decided to do what? Well, we'll go along with Satan. Two-thirds did not. They are the elect angels. One-third are the fallen angels. All right? Yeah, you get into a round room and you're, you're, yeah. And that's why, you know, when we talk about this, people say, well, give me the answer. I don't have the answer. All right? Um, I, all I know is that God created the universe for his own will, his own purpose, his own glory. So evil is part of that. God allowed it, but he did not cause it. And, and I, I just got to stay with it. I got to stop at that point and just say, well, that's the way it is. You know, and I can't delve any further than that. Yeah. And otherwise, yeah. you have Yeah. And we, you know, we talk about this. When you're in heaven, in eternity, when you're in heaven, you will understand God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness in a way that the holy angels will never understand. And when we get there, it's not going to be that important. And maybe if you do ask him, he'll say, well, you don't really need to know the answer with that. And you'll say, okay, and then you won't worry about it for the rest of eternity. All right? But we don't know some of this stuff. But they were created as perfect beings. Uh, many times in the Old Testament, they're called the sons of God. Job talks about sons of God. Genesis 6 talks about the sons of God. So throughout the Old Testament, they're seen as sons of God. Their origin is God. God is their creator. So the sons of God, in, in the Genesis, were actually angels who were in yeah, well, that's a whole different can of worms we're going to. Yeah, well, that's a whole different discussion. If we get down that rabbit trail, we'll never get out of this, you know. Who wrestled with Jacob? Was 
Son of God? Yeah. And the Son of God being? In that case, the Son of God was Jesus Christ. When you see sons of God in the Old Testament, usually that's referring to angelic beings. Then there's the Son of God in, who is Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity. How can we know the difference between it being uh, Christ and an angel? Because what you do is you... Because what you do is you look at, when you, well, we're going to talk about this. And when you see the angel of the Lord, usually, in the Old Testament, it says the angel of the Lord, that's a pre-incarnate, we call it a Christophany, an appearance of Christ. How do we know that's Christ? Well, when Manoah and his wife, remember when they, when they were told they were going to have Samson, and said the angel of the Lord came down and consumed their offering? What did they say? We're going to die because we have seen God. So they understood that the angel of the Lord there was a pre-incarnate Christophany, an appearance of God in flesh in Christ. And there are several other places in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord shows up. All right, and, and that's a technical term, and we'll, we'll sort that out. Well, that's, that's going to be the introduction of the Trinity through the Old Testament. Yes, and, and that's why you don't see the Trinity clearly defined in all its clarity in the Old Testament, but you certainly see hints of it in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, the number of angels is forever fixed. What do you mean by that? There's no procreation going on. Um, they're not little angels being born. And so all the depictions of little cherub and you know, little fat baby cherub angels and all that, that is, that is totally non-biblical. There's no evidence for that at all. All right. Um, angels are, are, are fully mature. And when they appear, who do they appear as? How do they appear? Human men. Understand that they do not appear as women. So if you see an angel, angel that looks like a woman, again, that's non-biblical. There's no evidence. Angels do not have gender. How do you know that? Christ said they neither marry nor are given in marriage. There's no female angels. There's no baby angels being born. Um, there's only angels. What's that? Because you read the Bible, they don't. None of the none of the appearances of angels are there. Are they in um, female form? What's, uh, well, that doesn't Again, you got to go with what the Scripture says. They neither marry nor are given in marriage. All right. So there's no procreation. If there's no procreation. What does that imply? It doesn't prove, but what does it imply? There's no sexuality. There's no. None of that. But when angels do appear, who do they appear as? Men. You've got, you got to do the deductive logic. All right? So, well, I mean, we don't know if there's any genitalia. We don't know that. But, but again, again, and there, there, are, there are medieval theologians that have argued over that, how many can fit on the head of a pen and all kinds of stuff. Look, that's speculation. All right? What we do know is that when angels appear in Bible, when they, when they appear in, in human form, they always appear as men, 100% of the time. There's no evidence of a female angel appearing. They do not marry. They're not given in marriage. Would it imply there are no female angels? And why is there two sexes? Why did God create two sexes in the first place? Yes. All right. So I would say it's safe to say that there's no evidence that there are female angels in the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said the sons of God were angels. 
But again, I don't want to get down that rabbit trail because we'll be here for another hour. All right. And the next class will be really upset with us. Um, um, we just talked about it in Genesis last Thursday. So, all right. Um, when were they created? Sometime again after Genesis 1-1, before the seventh day of creation, sometime in there. Probably towards the beginning. Because it said they rejoiced and they sang together when, as God was creating the world. They were singing. So there was something there. Um, they're created to serve God as part of his creation. Why did God create angels? Why did God create the universe? He wanted to. Go with it. Um, he wanted to create them. Just like he wanted to create us and wanted to create the universe and, and wanted to create everything that he created. They were to serve as part of his creation, part of... That's why he created them. I mean, he created everything for his own pleasure, his own glory. Um, and that's the best answer we have. Now, in his eternal purposes, God created the angels to help affect his rule in the universe. He knew that Satan would fall. He knew all of that. And ahead of time, he didn't cause it. He knew it. So they're part of the plan. But that's about as best as we can do as to why they were created. What are angels like? Their, their nature... They're spirit beings, but they can take on physical form. All right? Um, they have the ability to take on a physical form. And how do we know that? Well, remember Abraham, right? Um, Abraham was visited by three beings, and two were angels, and one was the Son of God, right? How do you know one was the Son of God? He was identified as angel. Yeah, and not only that, but when he was talking to Abraham, you got the impression that he was not just one average run-of-the-mill angel, Rather, he was God. Because he was saying, if you can find me five righteous men, I will spare the city. Well, now an angel's not going to say that, but God can, all right? Um, and we know that they, were, they, were, they appeared as men. In fact, they were very good-looking men, because what happened when they showed up in Sodom? All the men wanted, that, wanted them, all right? <coughs> Being spirits, they are invisible beings, but again, they can take on physical form, all right? in the performance of their duties. And they are innumerable. The idea of innumerable is there's a whole lot of them out there. All right? Um, the Bible says there are thousands of thousands or 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands and there's a lot of them. All right? We don't know the exact number. Billions of them. Um, they possess characters of, characteristics of personality. What do we mean by that? They, they have a personality. What, what, what are the components of personality? Well, you, you have intelligence, right? Are angels intelligent? Very much so. They, they don't have a, the curse of the fall on them. They are very intelligent beings. And they've been observing God and what God's been doing for a long period of time. They're very intelligent. Demons are very intelligent. You think, some think about Mormonism. Do you think Joseph Smith just came up with that on his own? There ain't no way. There's demons behind that. They have a will. What do we mean by that? They have the ability to choose. How do we know that? Well, Satan chose to rebel against God, did he not? He made a choice. Yeah, in fact, in, in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, there are five I wills. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. All right? They have emotion. They can feel joy. How do you know that? Well, the angels rejoice. Rocks don't rejoice. Angels rejoice. Yeah, and it says there's great joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Well, angels have joy. They can feel emotion. 
They can feel fear, right? How do you know that? Well, what did the fallen angels want Christ not to do? Don't send us to the abyss. They, they were fear. They, they can fear. So, angels have the characteristics of personality. So, they are person, persons. Um, they are superior to men. In what way are they superior to men? They're superior to men in their strength. They are much stronger. you got to understand, the weakest angel is a thousand million times stronger than Arnold. Alright, they are strong. They are very strong. They are powerful beings. How many angels did it take to kill 186,000 Assyrians in one night? One. They are powerful. They are much superior to men in intelligence. They, they don't have the, fallen, the effects of fallenness. Their memories are crystal sharp and clear. They have greater divine power than men. How do you know that? Well, they were able to, one angel to kill 186,000 Assyrians in one night. They're very powerful beings. Well, they can be invisible. Yes. Something we can't do. Something we can't do. They are, they are very powerful. And that's why the idea that, you know, you're going to wrestle a demon and things like that is sort of silly because they are just so much more powerful than we are. And unless God gives us some kind of victory over them, we will, never, we will not stand a chance against any of them. However, they are inferior to God. And what way are they inferior? Well, they're not sovereign or omnipotent. We already talked about this. They're not sovereign beings. They're not omnipotent. They're powerful, but they're not omnipotent. And by the way, every single angel in the universe has to go to God for permission to do what they do. They are given boundary lines that they cannot cross. Job 1, Job 2, talks about the boundary lines that they cannot cross. They are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They're not omnipresent. They are localized beings. They're in one spot at one time. Now, they are fast. They can get from place to place pretty quickly, but they're in only one spot at one time. And they're not self-existent. What do we mean by that? They were created. They are a created being. They're not like God who always was. They had a beginning. They started at a point in time. Yes. All angels have boundaries. Satan, while Satan's one of the evil angels, and he had boundaries. Yeah, he couldn't approach Job until right. 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 They have, they have, a, they have, a, they have freedom, but they have a restricted freedom. All right. And and how do you know that? Well, if Satan did not have restricted freedom, what would he immediately do to all the Christians and all the believers? You'd be dead. No, 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 I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about boundaries that they can and cannot do in terms of their activities. Um, it's their, physical their physical boundaries is the universe. But it's a spiritual block. Hmm? Uh, it, it, it's a spiritual block that the Lord put on or around Job to keep the angels from. Put a hedge around him. We're going to talk about hedges. Don't worry, we'll get there. Um, classification, we're almost done here. I wonder how we timed this just right to finish on time. Um, initially, all angels are created in perfection and holiness. Big, biggest one of that is the number one angel that fell, Satan, in Ezekiel 28, 11 through 15. It says he was created perfect and was perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him. <coughs> so he was perfect. However, due to the sin of pride, what's that? The I wills. The exaltation of self over God. Lucifer fell and took one-third of the angels with him. We know that from Revelation 12:4, where it says the dragon, um, his tail dragged a third of the stars with him. And also in Isaiah 14, it talks about Satan falling. And we're going to talk more in detail about that next week. 
So when we, all said and done, we divide the angels into three classifications. Um, two, two groups. One is the elect angels. Who are they? They're the ones that did not fall. They are the holy angels. Alright? Then there are the fallen angels, and the Bible calls them demons. Alright? And their head is Satan. Satan is the head of them. Um, he is their sort of head fallen angel. And of those fallen angels, there are three categorizations. We're going to talk about these in detail. But you have demons that are free. What's that? They are active today. They are busy today doing whatever it is that they do. And then there are some that are called temporarily bound. Who are they? Well, they're in the bottomless pit, the Abusas right now. And in Revelation, 12, uh, Revelation, remember it says the angel came down, had the key to the bottomless pit. He opened it up and out came what? Demons. All right, that were bound, but now they're free. And then there's a third classification of demon, which are the permanently bound demons. These are the ones that have crossed the line and God has kept them in chains and they will stay there until the day of judgment. Yes? No. No. There's no repentance for angels. God did not create a plan of salvation for angelic beings. When they made their choice, their choice was forever fixed. Alright? They, they, there is no redemption for angels. None at all. And that's it. Any questions? I mean, we got actually got done. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, it is. I think it's going to be interesting. And, and please understand, when, when we, the, the biggest thing we got to remember when we're going through this topic is there's some things we can know for certain. We get those from the Word of God. We can know that for certain. And that's where we need to start our whole discussion, our whole understanding of this topic. There's a lot of other stuff out there that's speculation and somebody's ideas. And, you know, it may be true and it may not, but we have no way to know that. I have no way to know that because I have no basis on which to know if it's true or not because it's not in the Word of God. It could be speculation. And we've got to be careful when we get to that level to, to go too far in our speculations. Yeah, and, and by the way, God wants us to trust Him, right? He'll take care of Satan. We trust God. He'll take care of Satan and take care of what Satan is up to. And we're going to sort that out as we go through, through this course. So, All right, well, let's close in prayer. Father, thanks for this day that you've granted to us, and I pray that you would help us to remember this stuff that we talked about and help us to really, really meditate on this concept this week, Father, that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We do not have to live in fear of Satan, Father. We don't have to live in fear of what he is up to. We don't have to live in fear of demons. We know that you are sovereignly in control of this universe. And may we uh, just depend on you for our guidance and look to you to take care of Satan for us as we are obedient to you and to your word and to do those things that you have called us to do. In Christ's name, amen.